please make sure that your seatbelt securely fastened. At this time, I ask that all portable electronic devices be turned off. Thank you. Welcome everyone to a brand new installment of the Vagabond Exchange. Coming to you from a very sunny dining room somewhere in Nashville, Tennessee, are Emily and William. Good morning, Emily. Good morning, William. Good it's afternoon, It's not actually, actually morning anymore. Yeah. How are you? Peachy, how are you? I'm good. How was your week? It was all right. Just all right? Yeah, just all right. Anything happened? No. I had to work, so that's what happened. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> How was your week? It was okay. Just okay? Yeah, just Anything okay. Anything happen? Uh, no. Nothing, Nothing out, out of the usual. You know, I think I'm a little depressed. Why? Because we haven't traveled in a while. That is depressing. I get this it's itch. two months. Just to get in a car and go somewhere. Which I think, I don't think we've ever gone this long without at least going some little place. I know, and my bank account thanks me. My bank account thanks me as well, but my heart doesn't. Doesn't that? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anyway. Yeah. Well. But we are planning a trip to San Francisco in like less than two months. So, yes. if you're listening. And we did get good news at the end of this week. We, uh, we did. We were we got, got a our nice, bonus. Nice little incentive in our bank account. Right. To keep, keep living the dream. Yeah. So that extra 20000 doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's where it all went. Yeah, I'm not on Wall Street, so it wasn't quite that high. It'd be $20 million if I was, I was going to say, Wall Street. Wall Street. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't the know. Olympics have been, are winding down. They are winding down. Did, also a little depressing. Did you watch? I watched a lot of Olympics. I always watch a lot of Olympics. Both like, winter and summer. I like the Olympic Games, yes. Winter yeah. and summer. Yeah. I watched uh, some of it, uh, mostly curling, because I enjoy that event. You do enjoy curling. Yeah. but A lot of people don't understand curling. I don't really understand it myself, how the, the, the scoring works, but I just enjoy, I understand the strategy of it. Right. Which I so. think is all you really need to know. Right. The thing that I don't like about curling is that it's too long, in my opinion. It is too long, but, you know, when we were talking about going to Vancouver, Mm -hmm. that was, like, the tickets were pretty astronomical just for one event. Right. So if we had actually gone and gotten a ticket for curling, we would have gotten our money's worth, at least. That's true. We would be there for quite a while. I wonder if they sell snacks and concessions at the Olympic Games, like hot dogs. Beer. 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 I don't know. I'm sure they do. You think? It all generates revenue. So. And those crazy Canadian mittens. How about those? I know. Ten bucks a pop. That's yeah, not bad. But every but there aren't any. You can't get them anywhere, apparently. Yeah. So unless you're Oprah. Right. Or you sell your soul to Oprah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Um, so that's going down. But next week we have the Oscars to look forward to. We do. So if you didn't catch... Our Oscar predictions. Go ahead and listen to our last podcast. Right. 
and see how right I am. That's right. Come next week. And I think this week we've seen one, uh, one more Oscar contender. So. Oh yeah, we did. That we'll talk about in just a moment. Yeah. Speaking of that, I read an, an article. I think it was in the Washington Post about um, how many uh, veterans of the Iraqi War are actually upset that the Hurt Locker is getting so much attention. Why? Like, well, there was one guy who was like, you know, if we had some rogue guy like that in our unit, he would des- destroy the morale right. of the people around him. He's, he felt sorry for the people that had, in the movie, that had to work with this guy. Right. Because he's very undisciplined. Which, But that was part of the story. It was a part of the, the story. But that's the thing. They're saying, you know, a lot of people, this is their only really, their only view of the, of the war. And so, and, um, of the troops, if they're not watching a documentary, which a lot of people probably won't watch, like younger people or right. whatever. And so this is, you know, they're only... Um, but I think, like, I have a friend who did several tours of duty in Iraq, and he said that as far as, like, sort of the downtime that you see them go through and the tension that you see those soldiers experience, mm-hmm. he said that's that was spot on. The story of the character might not have been real but they're also telling a story to sell a movie right you know right which was the argument of the the filmmaker and the screenwriter i guess right but the actual the guys they were very nitpicky about it i I guess that's how some would describe it like they said that the uniforms that the guys were wearing you know at the time weren't even out yet okay so just little things like that disturbed them and so i can i can they don't want it to win anything but wow yeah I guess if you, you know, for us, it's it's a movie, even though we know it's about a real war. Right. For them, it's an actual war, and they've, you know, had friends who've died in it. Right. So. And it's probably like any movie written about a real event, like movies about the Holocaust, and I'm sure there's creative liberties that are taken taken yeah. to to tell a story. Right. So. That's it. <laughs> well, I'm still rooting for the Hurt Locker. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, we did see a few movies in the last week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to run down the list? Sure. We saw uh, Shutter Island a week ago, last yes, weekend. last weekend. And then during the week, we saw um, the German film that we've been poking kind fun of at. making fun of. Whose uh, English translation is The, the White, White Ribbon. Ribbon. I don't yes. even remember how to pronounce das. it. Das Weiss Bond. Okay. The White Ribbon. The White Band. And then yesterday, we saw Cop Out. With yes. uh, Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to let you start on Shutter Island since that's, Shutter been, Island? Your, that's uh, been like your baby since we started watching previews for it. <laughs> well, I think we both agree that initially we were kind of lukewarm on seeing Shutter Island. I was. I don't know if you were. I was not as much as you. I mean, it's a Martin Scorsese film, so I was sort of excited about seeing it. And then right. as we saw more and more commercials... We became more and more interested in going to see it. But Shutter Island is basically about two federal marshals who are sent out to an island Mm -hmm. um, that houses the criminally insane. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, They're sent there. Leonardo DiCaprio is the kind of the main marshal. Mm -hmm. 
and he's the tag along is played by Mark Ruffalo. Yes, is that how you, I think so. And he's like the new guy, and um, so they're sent to this island because one of the patients has disappeared, and it's a woman that has uh, killed three of her children, allegedly drowned them, and um, so he's sent to find her. Right. And so once they once they get to that island, uh, you begin to see a lot of different um, uh, hallucinations on the part of Leonardo DiCaprio. His past kind of comes to haunt him. Yes, and he's he's had a, a a bit of tragedy or a lot of tragedy in his life. He was at Dachau during the Second World War, and his wife died in an apartment fire. Right, and so. Uh, the story kind of unwinds from there, given his experience and the location where they they are. Right. It unfolds in a way that you wouldn't expect. Right. And it also stars uh, Max von Sydow and Ben Kingsley. As Ben Kingsley's kind of like the, uh, I don't know, he runs like the, the place. the main doctor or something in right. the, the mental institution. And the approach is sort of that they don't treat these people like they're criminals. They treat them like they're patients. Right. Um but it's sort of strange because there are police on 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 the grounds. On the grounds, there's it's it's kind of like a prison slash mental ward. Right, and I guess the place is uh, split off into three different sections. You have an A, B, and C section, and the right. A and B are mostly for the the less violent um, offenders, offenders, yeah. patients, whatever. And C is kind of for the ones that are locked away, maximum security type thing. Right. So scary, scary, and there's some. Uh, there's a little debut by, um, not a debut, uh, cameo by Patricia Clarkson. Right, like there's some some good actors in this yeah. movie. Michelle Williams plays the wife, right. of DiCaprio, right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, initially, when I first started seeing the previews, I wasn't expecting much. But by the time we went to see the movie, I was expecting more than what. I got. Yeah. I think visually it was really great. I mean, it was it was eye popping in yes. some of the scenes. Yes. Um, but the movie was kind of convoluted to me. It was convoluted. And it had a lot of different. And the twists and turns weren't that baffling. It's just it was hard for me to buy them. Right. And then there were some scenes like there is a scene with P- Patricia Clarkson where they're in a cave and they're talking through a fire. Mm-hmm. And the scene just seemed to linger for much too long and especially because they're talking through these flames like the whole time right so there were scenes like that that went on a little bit too long and then when you have actors of the caliber of DiCaprio and Ruffalo and all the I mean even the supporting actors I guess I expected a little bit more it's not an awful movie but something I feel like something like that could have been great yeah and it wasn't I agree entirely with your statement the the things I would add is that because because the story unfolds in sort of a way that you don't expect, they sort of explain these plot twists in scenes like the one with Patricia Clarkson, right. and so it's it's almost like they're trying to pack in explanation for a really weird um, or for an unbelievable um, plot shift right. In these little segments where, like, oh, everything unfolds in, like, this this five-minute scene. And to me, that's kind of 
cheap, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, you want it to kind of unravel naturally. You don't want somebody to come along and say, okay, now this is why this is this exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. You know how this two-hour movie you've been watching? Well, we're going to explain how everything came about in this two-minute scene. Right. That, that not not actually little... in the movie through action and just me sitting here talking to you through flames of a fire. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I liked The acting was great. I mean... Leonardo DiCaprio never disappoints. And right. I liked Mark Ruffalo in this, too, because he was... It was a little bit of a departure for him. Um, but I don't know. I probably wouldn't have... I mean, you and I are friends, and you're you're into Martin Scorsese, so that was part of the reason I wanted to see it. But I probably... If I were on my own, I wouldn't have seen it Yeah, at the theater. I would have just caught it on Netflix or something. And I've spoken to people who actually uh, absolutely love it. Yeah. And they think it's great, so... I don't know. Maybe we were in the minority. And but it wasn't not, bad. I don't want to say that. It was yeah, bad. it's not bad. Yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, if we do our IMDb rating. Mm-hmm. I'd give it a, I don't know, like a 6.8, probably. I'd give it a 7. 8.2. Hey, well. So, there you go. I wonder how much of that is due to the fact that Scorsese directed yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, and Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean, I think he can draw a big audience on his own, too. Right. Yeah. So. And then um, earlier this week, as we said before, we went and saw uh, Das Weiss Bond, or The White Ribbon. Right. Which basically is a story of, um, and I don't know the setting, you'll have to tell me. Some town in Germany. Germany, okay. Um, And it's uh, pre the the Second World, or First First World World War. First World War, so what, like... 19, maybe... Early 1900s? 14 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just this little German town um, where sort of these strange and kind of tragic occurrences start happening. And it's a bit of a whodunit, um, but it sort of follows these winding stories of different families within the town, as well as the narrator, who is a school teacher of the town. He It's sort of from his point of view, and he sort of explains how what these occurrences were and intertwines it with different parties of interest um, who may be committing these these crimes. And what you basically find out is that pretty much everyone in this town is effed up and corrupt (laughs) (laughs) and um, is performing some sort of atrocity on another human being pretty much through the whole movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you have interesting characters who all seem like they should be upstanding. Right. You have a um, a doctor um, who, at the beginning of the film, is injured, and it the film kind of takes goes from that. there. Yeah. But you have a doctor who has who you know everyone seems to trust, and they all call on him when they need him, and he's there right away. He's very good at his job, apparently. Right. But he has certain dark secrets. Right. You had a, mid- a midwife who helps out the doctor who has. Uh, her own set of Her own secrets. secrets. You have a reverend or a preacher yeah. who has this uh, brood of kids, <laughs> and he's, uh, you know, he has his way of disciplining, you know, his children that may not necessarily be effective. Right. And you have a, a baron of the town mm-hmm. and his wife, and they they basically run the town. They're the financial backing of the town. Right. And they've caused pain to certain individuals, so... It's like so a it was, big black and white soap opera. It was. It was. Um, and so with, with any movie that has subtitles, I think, for me anyway, I can't just watch any foreign film and, and follow it and feel emotionally invested because I think that there has this, the 
the film itself has to be enough to to keep your attention and be able to read the the dialect as well. Mm-hmm. And this movie, <laughs> I know this sounds silly, but the font color on the um, on the dialogue right. was hard to read because it was like the, the it's in white. It's in black and white, or not even black and white. What is that called? It's like a it's like brown shades of brown almost. You thought so? The film? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't true black and white, was it? I thought it was, but maybe not. I don't know. But the the yeah the color the subtitles it, it was hard to follow. White. Yeah. yeah. And I I had a I really had to read the whole time. Like I couldn't really watch the movie and read, or I'd miss I missed pieces of dialogue because I was watching the story. Okay. So that was part of it. But the story is very interesting. It's a little. Um, it's very German, so it moves slowly. Yeah, and, it's kind of saunters along. It's right, not, yeah. right. So it maybe it was the end of a long day or something, but I had a hard time. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for it to wrap up. Yeah. I uh, I didn't have problems with the subtitles, although I can see how you, you know, how that would... I didn't notice that, yeah. but I can see now with you saying that how that could happen. Um, but I don't have... I'm okay with foreign movies and subtitles and still staying within the movie, even though I have to read. Yeah. It just, I just think it depends on the, if it's a really good movie, it's like the subtitles aren't even there. It's almost like reading a book with a great book with pictures or whatever. Right. It's all just kind of meld right in. You don't notice the subtitles. if It's a great movie. I notice the subtitles in this movie. Okay. And I agree with you. It's kind of slow paced. And I mean, I've been thinking about it a little bit more since we've seen it. And, um, the stories themselves were interesting, mm-hmm. and the people and the characters were interesting. Um, but like you said, it's a kind of a German film. You have to have a certain amount of patience, I think. Right. And maybe going in, we expected something a little bit different because we didn't really know what it was about. It was a, about. I didn't know what it was about. Yeah. I didn't either. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. But yeah, uh, like you, at the end, I was I was ready for. I was it grateful to wrap that up. it was over. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so I would give that, I don't know, I'd give that like a seven, right around a seven. Um, yeah, I'd give it the same thing. Actually, I'd give it a 7.5, because, okay. Okay. 8.1. Okay. Ein Deutsch Kindergeist is what it's called in German. Yeah. So, uh, the last movie we saw, we saw yesterday. Right. And it was Cop Out. Right. Starring Bruce, Tracy Morgan, Bruce Willis. Uh, Kevin Pollack was in it. Adam Brody. Um, and directed by Kevin Smith. Yes. And, Is there um, anyone else? Oh, uh, Scott. Sean William Scott. Oh, Sean William Scott. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So an interesting little cast of comedic characters. Right. Um, and basically tells a story of two cops who kind of flub up a, a drug bust that they're trying to to lock down and get suspended for a month with no pay. Meanwhile, the Bruce Willis's character is trying to come up with money to pay for his daughter's, in my opinion, exorbitant wedding. Um, and then the Jason, Jason Lee, what, Jason Lee yeah, plays the, the stepfather. Right. Yeah. 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 He is Kevin Smith's boy. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but, um, he sort of plays the evil stepfather who wants to rain on 
on Bruce Willis's parade and pay for this wedding instead. So basically it kind of follows the shenanigans. Bruce Willis sort of has this way that he's going to pay for the wedding right. and it all falls apart, but, but gets he and Tracy Morgan's character wound back up in this, this drug, this group of drug dealers. Right. So you kind of see They're all how, connected in a certain kind of way. Exactly. Which was interesting. Yeah. 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 And, um, Sean William Scott sort of plays like this random, um, burglar. Right. <laughs> Who has a very strange method of stealing from houses. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, and doing other things while he's <laughs> robbing houses. Right, right. So he sort of gets involved peripherally as well. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Pollock and Adam Brody play other cops within their, their jurisdiction. Um, but they sort of add value to the story as it goes along as well. Right. It's a very stereotypical kind of action cop buddy movie because right. you have the two cops, one white, one black. Right. They're almost making fun of it a little bit, I Yeah, like Lethal like. Weapon and those type of films. Yeah, yeah. And then you also have the other cops. This reminded me of Bad Boys, the other cops that are kind of the competition. Right, that exactly. all, And they're always going they're at like each other. They're like skeptical of one another's methods. Right. Yeah. But they're always picking at each other. Like there's a scene <laughs> early in the movie where uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to give it away, but Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan are making fun of these guys, right. which is one of the funnier <laughs> scenes in the funny. movie. Yeah. So... Um, a movie like this, you can't go in thinking it's going to be a masterpiece or right. anything like that. I think the point is, does it entertain? Right. It's a comedy. Does it make you laugh? Yes. And I think in both cases, Tracy Morgan was really funny. Yes. Uh, Bruce Willis is a good straight guy. Sean William Scott added he was a funny lot of too. humor to yeah. the film. Yeah. And so, um, I think, I, I mean, everyone played the role they were intended to play right. well. So. Yeah, it was an enjoyable Saturday afternoon yes. popcorn If flip. you're looking for just some mindless entertainment, then I would highly recommend it. Cop out. Yep. Yes. So that said, I'd probably give that a seven and a half as well. <laughs> yes, I would too. And 6.8, 6. which 8. isn't bad for... No, you know, it's not. It's you know, not. Makes me Makes me wonder if they'll... If it makes enough money, they'll do a, another a second one. one. I yeah. thought about that too. Um, and Jane Krakowski was at the premiere, just so you guys know. Right. <laughs> and you know, Kevin Smith for a number of years wanted to remake or wanted to make another Fletch movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's it, kind of come back around, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if he's still in the loop on that, though. But oh. for the longest, he wanted Jason Lee. He really wanted Jason Lee to play F- Fletch. Really? And Harvey Weinstein or Wine. Uh, I don't know how you say it. Yeah, but he was, was like totally against it. Which I don't know that I can see Jason Lee being Fletch. Jason Lee is funny, but he's not that funny. Well, he, to you me. need a certain um, sarcastic kind of caustic wit. Yeah, to but play Fletch. I don't. I don't feel like he would appeal to people like Chevy Chase. Chase did. Yeah, well, that's he, the hard part. Who would? That's true. Because Ryan Reynolds, I thought was a good choice. Yeah, he Ryan kinda, Reynolds, I think could. And he was in the picture for a while, and then they also threw out Dave Chappelle's name, which I don't see. I could. I don't see it, but I could see it. I see him playing like a maybe an investigative role, but not. Not Fletch, yeah. Because everyone's going to be comp- whoever plays it, they're going to compare it to Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chase. That's that's just really tough shoes to fill. That's a problem, right? So, I would yeah, like Ryan to see- Reynolds. Actually, I could could see. Yeah, I could too. More so than Jason Lee. And even Chevy Chase looks like, what's wrong with me? I'm, I could still do it, right? So. <laughs> I don't know. I love Chevy Chase. Fletch is a great movie, so it'll be hard to. Yeah, it's going to be what whoever does it. I mean, they'll have to be like. 
Unborn. That'll have to be the best writing, the best acting. Right. It'll have to be like an Oscar-worthy performance to top Chevy Chase. Yeah. And I like Kevin Smith, but even with this... Well, he didn't even write this movie because some of the... He just directed it, yeah, right? Yeah. Some of the writing was a little bit... Like some of the fu- the funnier parts, I had a feeling Tracy Morgan came up came with Came up with those. Song. Yeah, I yeah. did too. I was right. Yeah, I was on the same page with that. Yeah. Because some of it was like, you could tell it was just them trying to be funny. Funny, you know? right. Like, this is what we think people think is funny. But like the whole scene we were talking about where they're going back and forth with the cops and they're making fun of them. Yeah. I was like, that's got to be all Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Morgan yeah. I'm just laughing too hard at this. <laughs> Which Tracy Morgan is, I don't understand it, man. He is so funny yeah. like just stupidly funny yeah. nothing that comes out of that man's mouth is not funny i know and i almost feel like he doesn't know when to turn it off like he's just become like this caricature of himself almost right well, do which you read don't that get me in, wrong i appreciate it but did you read that interview in playboy i did yeah. yeah you really kind of it makes a guy more lovable when yeah. you read stuff like that because yeah. he's gone through a lot and he really life. has so. he really has but he's i think that's sort of like a coping mechanism too though to deal with all the bad things that he's seen was like he just created this irreverent like character of himself so to me that's i don't know there's there are worse ways to come out of that i think you find a lot of comedians do that because you know jim carrey has the whole problem with depression yeah so yeah and even uh sarah silverman has the same issue with depression yeah i never read that before um so and Rashida Jones is in this movie too, and she's right. just a hottie. So <laughs> had to throw that out there. I forgot about that, but you're right; she is in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are our movie reviews. Yes, and uh, we have a lot of good stuff coming up. We do. Um, what's next weekend? Next weekend is uh, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland, and also the Crazies. We the want crazies. to see that too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Brooklyn's Finest. We were thinking about checking out. Right. The following weekend's the Green Zone. Yes, yes. And the weekend after that is Repo Men. Right. So. so we've got some good stuff. It's getting back into good movie time again. Right. And then after that, we're basically in the summer, starting yep. into the summer films. So yep. There we go. It's going to be great. Yep. Refreshment. Refreshment. For your enjoyment, there's hot, fresh popcorn, tempting, delicious hot dogs, and so many kinds of ice cream. And of course... Sparkling, delicious, ice-cold Coca-Cola for everybody at the refreshment counter now. Remember, your favorite snack will taste especially good with world-famous ice-cold Coca-Cola. So as we said earlier, uh, Olympic Games are wrapping up. And um, so a lot of the, the sort of team sports, those competitions are coming to a close. And um, as many of you probably know... The Canadian women's team um, basically won, um, beat out every other country to become number one in, in women's hockey and win the gold medal, and celebrated in kind of an interesting way. Basically went out on the, the ice in Vancouver where they played all of their games and celebrated by um, hanging out on the ice, drinking alcohol of, of various sorts, right. Coors Light, yeah, much right. to William's delight. I thought it was just champagne, but right. yeah. No, of course, late. And smoke cigars and generally had a, a raucous time on the ice. Right. Um, which apparently led to quite a bit of scrutiny from the Olympic Committee and some of their fellow Olympic athletes. So what do you think? Do you think they should have Do you think they should have been made to issue an apology and come under all that scrutiny? 
I think they they should have been they should have come under some scrutiny mm-hmm. because this unlike like regular hockey like let's say professional hockey there's a certain degree of sportsmanship that's uh to me expected when it you come to the olympics right right and i think that's almost like pissing in the faces of your competitors right which this isn't about if this were professional sports like the nhl or nfl i say go ahead do it this is what you're getting paid for but you're representing your country in this particular thing and uh, i have no problem with what they did i have a problem with where they did it right so right agreed and at first you know when i saw this i was like you know if they want to celebrate let them celebrate but i think you're right there is sort of a decorum that comes with being an olympic athlete and in a lot of cases these countries financially sponsor athletes so i think it's important to kind of remember where you came from but the, the, I, I kind of waffle back and forth because hockey is such like a, it's such a uh, bad, like the badass sport of all sports is hockey. So I sort of feel like you're expecting hockey players to maintain a sense of like, I, I see, I can see it both ways. I, I, I agree ways. with that, but because there are two other instances, two other things that happened. Right. Both involving snowboarders. One was that uh, this Japanese snowboarder was kind of, you know, he was frowned upon because of the way he dressed. He was right. kind of slovenly at a conference. Right. Another was the American snowboarder who went home early and didn't really get to celebrate with his teammates because certain f- uh, photographs came out with a woman like he had the, the belt, the, the metal above his crotch and the woman was like kissing, kissing the, metal the metal or whatever. Right. And the other woman was biting it. Right. <clears throat> to me, when you see these snowboarders and what they do and you think of Sean White, these guys, to me, are like the, the badasses badass is, of that's true of the Olympics because it's also kind of a newer um, event. Well, and, and these these Olympic games, those those sports within the Olympic games, like snowboarding, all of the um, really high um, like high risk skiing those, sports, it, those extreme. all came out of the X Games, right. which is that is the the basis of X Games is that there's these there's these renegade athletes who didn't want to be like every other athlete you know they didn't want to wear a uniform and and sort of like um, give in to some standard of athleticism right. and so like that's sort of the basis of it so I guess I feel like hockey's kind of the same like they're they're sort of the renegades of of athletes they fight and, and that's true I bet I think this is where we will do because I see the snowboarders as almost risk tape takers in right. a way that they almost it, it's almost like they put their lives on the line absolutely yeah whereas hockey i'm not there there's more protection there right and plus hockey has been around for years a very long time yeah and so but even if the snowboarders at the end of their event had gone to the end of you know the tube or whatever it is that they they use and they were out there drinking and smoking i would have a problem with it as well i i don't disagree with you about the place where they did it I think that that's kind of like a sacred, that's like sacred ice, right. you know? And they are renegades. I mean, these are women hockey players. They're never right. going to get the uh, attention that men do. Exactly. And, and that's fact why I'm kind of like. It was just as exciting as the men's hockey this year. I, I thought mean, so. So, yeah. and I guess the men play t- today, actually. Yeah, it's Canada and U.S. I think, the final yeah. two. So that'll be a, an intense little game. Right. But. That that is one thing. One great thing about the Olympics is that you get women get exposure that mm-hmm. they don't normally get. So when you look, you know, curling or right skiing or you know. I think women and sports that don't normally get a lot because you don't hear about skiing, men or women skiing until really the Olympics. I mean, they might have a couple like 
competitions that are larger to qualify for the Olympics, but you don't really... At least, especially down here. I mean, I don't know what it's like in, like, Colorado and places where Maybe Colorado, like Salt Lake City. We have friends. We should probably ask them. We should. We should. We do have friends. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it probably wasn't the best decision, but I understand. I mean, I understand why why it happened right yeah. yeah i understand too yeah and i'm not like grossly offended by no it. and i don't think they should like i i felt kind of bad for the guy that got that decided to go home i don't think he got sent home but he was he faced so yeah, much he, he yeah. did get sent no home. no you're right he, okay. he he left on his his own accord yeah i just felt kind of bad because you know he probably went out a few drinks and just made a bad decision right so it's the, the bitch of cell phones these exactly. days exactly. you can't get away with anything exactly Hockey Canada is apologizing for an impromptu party the Olympic women's hockey team threw for itself on the Canada Hockey Place ice after winning the gold medal. Canadian players, still wearing their uniforms and with gold medals draped around their necks, celebrated their victory by drinking champagne and beer at center ice following a 2-0 win over the U.S. A spokesman for the COC says the organization had not provided the alcohol or initiated the party. Greg Strong, the Canadian Press, Vancouver. So as many of, of you may know, um, William's sworn hero is none other than Mr. Tony Kornheiser, right. current host of Pardon the Interruption or PTI on ESPN, and also does a pretty kick-ass radio show on ESPN as well, which William introduced me to, and I now listen to the podcast pretty much religiously. Um, and recently, Mr. Tony came under suspicion, well, came under scrutiny for making some rather harsh comments about Hannah Storm. I don't know who Hannah Storm is. Really. She's like a, uh, she's like Michelle Tafoya or okay. like a sideline reporter, a little bit more than a sideline reporter. I don't see her as often, though, I guess. I recognize Michelle Tafoya, Aaron Andrews. Who's the other one? Um, Pam Oliver does it. Yeah, the, there's Fox. an older woman. Not oh, Andrea older. Andrea Kramer. Yes, Andrea Kramer. She's the one that first came to mind. Right. Um, I don't recognize her. Yeah, I don't know if she does football. She may. I don't know what she does now, actually. She used to do the, the NBA. She's been around for a long time. Okay. That's probably why I don't recognize her. It's like her. Bonnie Bernstein. I haven't seen her in a while. No. She was a cutie. <laughs> right? Yeah, she was. She was hot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, he got suspended from uh, from his from PTI. Right. He still gets to do the radio show for right. certain comments he made about Hannah Storm. Yes. About her outfit. Yes. Which, as a woman, I think are kind of funny, <laughs> to be honest with you. He basically says she... And for part of uh, part of Tony Kornheiser's delivery is the fact that he has this, like, New York accent. Yeah. So everything that he says is just amplified by this sort of... His, his easy-on-the-R's uh, voice, but also it's very loud and obtrusive, so... It's a curmudgeon. Right. Yeah. And uh, it said that she had on a hor- horrifying, horrifying outfit. Uh, red go-go boots and a Catholic school plaid skirt, way too short for somebody in her 40s or maybe early 50s by now. She's got on her typically very, very tight shirt. She looks like she has sausage casing wrapping around her upper body. I know she's very good, and I'm not supposed to be critical of ESPN people, so I won't. (laughs) But Hannah Storm, come on now. Stop. What are you doing? That's what I would call a holding Caulfield fantasy at this point. (laughs) Which I think is really funny. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why we listen to the show. Kornheiser, right. And, and uh, I had Tony is an equal opportunist pessimist. I mean, it doesn't matter. Everybody. Right. You could be a two-year-old little boy up to a 
80-year-old grandmother, he's got something to say about you. That's why they hired him. PTI is an opinion show. Right. Like where he and Michael Wilbon go head-to-head about their opinions on people, sports, people in sports. I think uh, this is where the whole political correctness thing kind of bleeds over. And right. You don't know if they're going too far. Because I guess with the sensitivity with the whole Aaron Andrews thing. Yeah. You wonder if that kind of had an effect on how the media has to treat women in sports. Right. And I think part of it, too, may have been because she's kind of one of his own. He makes fun of Hoda Kotb yeah, on they, they NBC. Don't do anything, yeah. And nobody sa- and he says really nasty things about her, that she's ugly, like that she's just not an attractive woman. Right. It talks about her, like that she doesn't have a right to be on the air, that she should be fired. Right. Nobody said anything about poor, poor little Hoda Kotb. <laughs> but... Hannah Storm, Hannah Storm yeah, you're right. gets, gets backed up. I think it, that might have been part of it, person. too. Yeah. yeah. And so, there probably is a fine line that he has to walk between. If you like, it's like um, Dianimus a couple of years ago got right. in trouble for what he said about the Rutgers girls. But right. anybody who listens to his show on a regular basis, they know this is what he does. Exactly. It's just he pissed off the wrong person, and it got him in trouble that time. Yep. And so I think that's what happened with Tony Kornheiser because he does this every day. To everybody. Right. He makes fun of himself that way. You right. know, he's very self-deprecating. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's the same with Howard Stern. I mean, he gotten, he's gotten in trouble over and over again until he went to satellite radio. Right. But it was like, this, Howard Stern, by definition, is a jackass. Like, right. you can't expect a jackass to be a nice guy. It's just not, that yeah. doesn't work that way. Don't be hypocritical. Don't. You know, pluck out certain things that all of a sudden bother you and go after the guy. Right. I mean, what Don Ima said pissed me off, too, but I didn't think the guy should have been fired. No, I didn't think so. So, um, and the only, really, ESPN is the only entity that gets hurt in this whole thing because. But I think ESPN should be held liable for this. They hired Tony Kornheiser. They make money off of Tony Kornheiser. Well, that's what I'm saying. Now he's off of PTI. I wonder how. Is that affecting him more or, or, or them ESPN, more? But maybe they should be. I mean, if they're just going to give in to whoever is. To, I don't think ESPN said, Tony, you went too far. I imagine it's probably somebody either in Hannah Storm's camp or some women's rights group or something that's that asked for this, you know, that, that was incensed over these statements. Yeah. Otherwise, ESPN is just being really hypocritical about yeah. Host of one of their shows that they but make like money you said, he of. does this every day about other women. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, ESPN has some liability in this too. You right. hired a guy that you know is a rabble rouser, right? Who makes comments out all the time that have nothing to do with a person's ability to do something, but have more to do with superficial things about that person. Right. And then you get upset and yank him off the air when he attacks one of your own. What do you think was going to happen? Right. And he says, I-, "I know she's very good." So he he. He's not critical of her work, her right. ability. <laughs> he very blatantly just her made crappy a clothes. snarky comment. Right. right. And Tony Corn, I love listening to his show, mm-hmm. but I'm not. He's one guy that if I never met him, it would be okay. You'd, yeah, you'd be. I would. I wouldn't want to hang out with him because right. there's so, certain things he says. That, like he he'll admit he's not a very good person. Right. And sometimes he says things. It's like I wouldn't want to live in that house. With no. Him. So, no. But he's very entertaining. Yes, so. he is very entertaining, and he looks like a. Some kind of like bear or something to me. Yeah. He look actually he looks like the cowardly lion. Yeah, he does. In the face. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So there. Yeah. So William's a little sad because he's been without his Tony Kornheiser on PTI. Right. Just Wilbon and that dark hair variety. Guy. Oh, Dan Lebertard. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll be back. I, I'm. And Michael Reale's not going anywhere. Right. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, he's a hottie for you. He is a hottie for me. <laughs> Just, just for me too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been more upset if he had been kicked off the, the radio show. Yeah. UTI. Yeah. So. So, as we said earlier, we're planning to head to San Francisco in the near future. So, if anyone is listening who's been to San Francisco or knows about stuff in San Francisco. Or maybe lives in San Francisco. We'd love to hear some suggestions. We've been a few times and have, have explored the city, but we'd love to, uh, we always love to try new stuff. Right. And if there's anything you'd like to share with us, you can feel free to email us at vagabondexchange at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just look for Vagabond Exchange. And we did get a, an initial uh, fan. I don't know if you noticed that on Facebook. It's someone you know, though. But, oh, is it? Yeah. No, I didn't know. Um, I think Davis, is that his name? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Why is that interesting? Just because it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I also um, promised that I would give another one of our friends, Ross, a shout out. Because I know he's a new listener of the Vagabond Exchange. So, hi, Ross. I like picking on Ross. I should stop. He seems to get, he seems to be okay with it. But yeah, he is okay with it. All right. Because he gets it all the time. All right, so uh, <laughs> we'll be back um, probably next week, right? Yep. With a full dose of Vagabond Exchangedness. That's right, and a new movie review. That's right. So and we're, we're also planning on going to um, the roller derby. Oh, that's week. right, so we so. can talk about that. And we have a friend who will be celebrating a birthday this week. So right. um, happy birthday, Heather, since we'll probably get this show out right around her birthday. Yep. And um, I'm sure there will be something interesting that will come of that celebration. Mm -hmm. So until then, keep reaching for the stars. (laughs) But keep your feet on the ground. (laughs) See ya. Bye. Before leaving, make sure you have all of your personal belongings. Use caution when opening the overhead bins, as items may have shifted during the flight. We thank you for flying with us today. We truly appreciate your business and look forward to serving you on a future flight.